What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss just a few different topics around the NFL. Uh, I'm assuming, I think Josh and I are going to do our our recap tonight. If we don't, then I'll do it and it'll be published tomorrow, but I, I still have to get with him and figure that out. So that'll be available, hopefully, on YouTube as well. And if not, him and I will do something else later this week, and then we'll, we'll get some things up there on the YouTube channel as well. But for this morning, I want to talk about the unexpected kind of a quarterback duel that we had going on in, uh, I think it was in New York, right, with the Jets and the Eagles. So what you won't hear about probably is how Zach Wilson finished, but it was exciting for a little while there because Zach Wilson and Gardner Minshew both came out on fire. And um, Zach Wilson himself started 12 of 14 for 108 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he had a rushing touchdown. So he had three touchdowns on his first like 15, you know, touches, basically, if you want to look at it like that. Gardner Minshew in that same time was 14 of 15, 188 yards, two touchdowns, a perfect passer rating. So both of these quarterbacks were came out just completely on fire, right? Then it went a little downhill for Zach Wilson. He finished after that 12 of 14 start. He finished 11 of 24. 118 yards, um, zero touchdowns, one interception. So it wasn't a glamorous finish for Zach is really the Philly defense kind of really cranked things up and kind of looked, I guess, the way most of us expected them to look for the entirety of the game. And if you just, I mean, just objectively speaking, right, Zach just averaged 4.9 yards a pass attempt over those final 24 attempts. Uh, Compare that to his uh his first 14 attempts where he was averaging 7.7 almost eight yards per attempt you know Minshew basically there wasn't much drop off in the way of Gardner Minshew he he really was just awesome the entire game so shout out to him he finished he finished like 20 of 25 so he he finished six of 10 after that scorching hot start but still again not a ton of drop off in that regard just to you know just the finish of we're playing with lead we're not gonna do anything crazy and that kind of thing so um, I want to talk also about the Baltimore Ravens losing and what that means for the whole entire, like the AFC number one seed is really a crazy situation because right now, well, first of all, the Ravens loss puts the New England Patriots in the number one driver's seat, right? But what happens if the Patriots lose tonight in Buffalo? I mean, to me, that's a poss- that's a very real possibility. If you guys listen to the prediction pod, I picked the uh, Buffalo Bills to win that game tonight on the condition that they have a balanced attack. I don't care if you're averaging three yards a carry. Just run the damn ball. Anyways, not going to beat a dead horse in that respect. But I will say, what happens, though, if the Buffalo Bills win that game? Nope, Buffalo's not the number one seed. You know, I know some of us might think that. Well, the Patriots are number one. If Buffalo beats them, then they're number one. Nope, Buffalo would, however, overtake the Patriots in the division because the Bills would then be 8-4, and four, the Patriots would then be 8-5, and five, and so from that standpoint, Buffalo would pass them with a head-to-head victory as well, you know, in the rankings, and they would take over the number one seed in the AFC East, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. The Tennessee Titans, I think, would move back to the number one seed, and the reason that would happen is because the Titans have the edge in... Um, well, either head-to-head or division, I'm sorry, or conference record 
against that of the so they have a better conference record than the Ravens. So even though they had the same record, um, they would be ahead of them, which is why they are currently the two seed and Baltimore's the three seed. Then they have the head to head victory over the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills winning tonight would really shake things up quite a bit because it would, you know, we wouldn't know who the hell the number one seed is, but it would be the Titans by by default. I don't think there's any chance in sorry Tennessee fans, but I don't think there's any chance the Titans finish as the one seed just simply because they're just too banged up and battered um, at this point. But um, they would, however, be that entering Week 14. So if the Bills win, the Titans are you heard it here, the number one seed in the AFC. So it's kind of crazy. So Baltimore with that loss drops to the three seed in the AFC. And I think, let me see here, the Patriots, if they were to lose, would then be, so wow, the Patriots, if they lose tonight, not only are they obviously not the number one seed, they are not the number two, three, four, one, two, three, four, they would be the five seed, they would switch with the Bills in that respect, and they would turn into the five seed, so they drop from one to five, yeah. Because they would still be ahead of teams like the Chargers and Bengals and all those guys, because they'd have a half a game advantage in terms of record eight and five versus uh, seven and five. But yeah, they would drop from one to five. So it's a crazy dynamic that's going on at the top of the AFC, and I feel like it's um, important to talk about. By the way, if you're the Patriots, let me just throw this out there. Obviously, you know it. It's an important thing to have home field advantage in the playoffs. But if you're the Patriots, you're three and four in Foxborough. You're 5-0 and on the road. So it wouldn't be the most devastating news in the world to sit to, you know, to not have home field advantage. Now, we all know that early start, the the uh, you know, rough start that New England had contributed greatly to their home record. So I wouldn't say that um, you know, I I think obviously we all know they want home field advantage, but um because playing this Patriots team in Foxborough from now on, I think would be you know, a, a whole new animal, right? It's not the, the New England Patriots of September. You know, you're not, that's, who, that's not who you're playing now. So, um, but I will say that 5-0 and road record gets tested tonight in Buffalo. So big, big game there in the AFC. And I think that for the most, you know, the real thing, the Patriots, in my opinion, could still be the number one seed in the AFC, even if, if, even if they lose tonight. But I think the more interesting part is this. If they win tonight, they will be the only AFC team with nine wins. So, it's a chance to kind of separate themselves, distance themselves uh, in the AFC and particularly in the AFC East in their division because they have not, they don't have that in the bag, just, you know, contrary to kind of what we've been seeing and feeling lately. They don't have that in the bag by any means. Again, if they lose tonight, Buffalo is now the, the AFC East top seed and the AFC, or I'm sorry, the, the, they're winning the AFC East, the division's top seed. So, um, if they, if however, if the Patriots win tonight, they'll go to nine and four, and the Bills will drop to seven and five. So they'll have a very, I mean, a seemingly comfortable two-game lead on Buffalo in um in that event, right? So I think that would be definitely a, a crucial thing there. So um, <clears throat> so yeah, the Ravens losing really made things very interesting in the AFC. And um, as I said, the Titans would be the, the top seed in the event that the Bills win tonight. So we'll see how that all turns out. And obviously, it's a huge game. Can't wait to see it. So another thing happened kind of switching gears to the NFC. The NFC had some crazy stuff happen, right? The first of it was obviously the Detroit Lions beating 
the Minnesota Vikings getting their first win of the season um, in dramatic fashion against the Minnesota Vikings. And that was a game for Minnesota that you had to win, right? Like if you want to keep pace in the NFC, you were the seven seed or no. Yeah. I think they were. No, no, no. They weren't seven. They lost last week. That knocked them out. Washington then surpassed them and became the seven seed. But now the Vikings lose in on literally a last second play to Detroit. And by the way, that is true that Detroit should have been forced to kick the extra point. However, relax. They would have never kicked it. They would have just taken a knee and that would have been that. Now, it, it's not correct. It's not right that the referees didn't make them kick the extra point because, again, you by rule, you have to kick that. I said, as soon as it happened, I go, please make sure you know situationally that you're not going to kick this extra point, right? Because that would have been I mean, could you imagine Detroit Detroit takes the lead and then Minnesota blocks the extra point, returns it back for a two-point conversion, and they tie the game? Um, anyways, I think it would be a tie game at that point. But, yeah, in any event, then we had overtime, and it would have been – yeah, oof, that would have been tough. But Detroit fought their asses off. They get the win, and it was a – you know, to me, it was it was a very emotional situation there, you know, considering everything that happened in, De- in Michigan this week. Um I'm not going to get into that, but you know what I'm talking about. And so Detroit desperately needed to win a game. It was like, hey, could you finally – like this is a winnable game, and you know it's a winnable game because you just barely lost on a last-second field goal to the Vikings earlier this season. So you knew it was winnable, right? Um, I don't think anybody picked the line. I mean, maybe, but it was it was dramatic, right? And for – again, for Minnesota, that was huge because now you are 5-7. and seven. You are a full game behind – even after the 49ers loss, you're still a game behind them with a head-to-head victory going to San Francisco in that way. So even if you, you know, would have won this game, you would have then only been tied with them or and they would have had the advantage because of again that head-to-head victory. So it was it's a crucial thing. And so if you're the Niners, you lose to Seattle, which is I think caught everybody by surprise because the 49ers entering that game had I think they've won uh, three in a row, if I'm not mistaken, right? So they'd won three in a row, and then you go into Seattle, a team that has had lost, I think it was like six of seven or whatever, uh, a team in Seattle that, by the way, has the second worst record, even after that win, in the entire NFC. I mean, they're tied with Chicago with that, but but still kind of a, a crazy season for the Seattle Seahawks and a crazy thing for them to have won. And by the way, they won – and I, I know we'll get I'm going to save a lot of this ammo for the week 13 recap, but they won. But it w- wasn't like Russ played out of his mind and had a, a great game or anything. It was just, I mean, really the, the certain plays again, just like all most NFL games, it came down to a, a handful or fewer plays in this one. And, and um, so, yeah, the Niners were able to still lose but still retain a seven seed now in the nfc the washington football team the red hot washington football team um now a team that has won four straight right and they've beat teams that are either in the playoffs or playoff contending teams on this winning streak right and i mean they beat the the tampa bay bucks how's that for the you know a team that is still competing for the number one seed in the nfc they beat them they beat the um, Carolina Panthers, who, you know, obviously they're still competing for that uh, playoff spot, but they're not likely to get there at this point. At the time that Washington played them, however, the Panthers were in the playoffs by, you know, in terms of like if the season ended that day. And so they went into Carolina and beat them in that in that 
uh, highly emotional Cam Newton's return game, all that stuff, and went in there and beat them. So Washington has beaten now the Raiders in Vegas, right? In a in a hostile environment, you you uh, the Raiders kicked that field goal to give them a 15-14 lead. Then Washington Taylor Heineke two little over two minutes to go, they get down there, move right an offense that couldn't do anything for the you know majority of the second half, or, or really since the majority of that after that first drive goes down and really just it looked easy right Heineke was extremely clutch he made a throw I think it was one it was his first completion on that drive or maybe a second completion where he was like kneeling down and leaning to his right it was a really weird thing and he just fired a perfectly accurate ball on a little comeback route to um, Adam Humphreys who was I think was the the only guy that caught a pass or mainly the guy that caught most of the passes on that drive and it was extremely accurate he's just Heineke's a clutch player man I think Ron Rivera and I think the reason why Ron Rivera didn't sign Cam Newton is because Cam wanted to say can I Cam even specified this on his YouTube channel he said I want to play for a team that lets me compete to be the starting quarterback and I think that what you saw in in uh, Washington and what you saw with with them is that Ron Rivera probably wouldn't, if I'm putting two and two together properly here, probably wouldn't give them that assurance, you know? So I think that, um, I think he believes in Heineke, right? So I think that that's what's going on in Washington right now. And why not? I mean, Heineke's playing really good football, you know? So again, Washington right now, six and six, four weeks ago, they were two and six. Playoffs were not even a real discussion unless you... We're following me, of course, and you heard my my teams that could finish the season strong in that second half, and you would have heard me saying the Washington football team, I think, will do that, and I think can do that, and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, you know, enough toot my own horn there, but I just, I thought that it was possible, because it's a Ron Rivera, I mean, it's what his teams do, you know, so... um in that regard, I mean, look, the watch like they're without Chase Young. The defense is still playing really well. I, I posted a few days ago on Instagram that I think that the under was going to hit in that game. It hit easily. Uh, yeah, I think the over under in that one, if I'm not mistaken, was like 49, and that was to me a bonkers thing to say. Like the the over under in that game, yeah, it was 49, and the uh, point totals in Washington's previous six games prior to this one yesterday were 44. 34, 27, 48, 48, 32. So they hadn't had a game go for 49 or more points over the last month and a half of the season, you know? And I think that, uh, I mean, so to me, it was always a little high. I think they were, Vegas was probably riding that Raiders, what they did last week in in Dallas and kind of like, they're going to do that again. Not so fast. This Washington team is red hot and they, their commitment to running the football really helps their defense. Imagine that, right? So, like, when people want to say all that matters is points and, and, you know, yards per play and all that stuff, that's not true, okay? And, I mean, this, you know, anyways, I'm not going to get that. But point is, Washington is red hot now. They move up from seven seed to six seed. And I think that's they're, – they're not going to finish as the five seed or anything better than that. But what they are is – well, you know what? Let me Let me take that back because right now as it stands, they're two games behind the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, they're two games behind the I mean, in what was prior to this week, the struggling Dallas Cowboys. So um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, let me see here. Let me double check this. Yeah, they play Dallas twice. Yes, they do. And the first of those games is next week in Washington. If they win that game, 
They're one game behind the Dallas Cowboys with one more game to play Dallas in. So look out because Washington is potentially at their peak, at their ceiling, I should say, the four seed in the NFC. But I think that, you know, if they can just split with Dallas and and basically handle their business otherwise for the rest of the season, I think they'll be I think they'll be in the, in there at the seven seed. So that's a team that is red hot. They're playing complimentary football. I was thinking to myself last night watching that game, like, why do I think Ron Rivera is such a good coach? You know, and it's obviously he's known for his defense and his defenses are always very at least respectable, if not dominant. And a lot of times they are dominant. But like, I think Ron Rivera, what he gets, where he's where he becomes, in my opinion, in the conversation for that top 10, top 12 slots as a head coach is number one is leadership. You know, he just really knows how he's a natural leader and he gets the most out of his players from a kind of an inspirational standpoint. And his teams are always going to be committed to the run and they're always going to play pretty good complimentary football. You know, they, I mean, that's really the truth of it, right? Even when the Panthers weren't the most talented defenses, um, they were they were a team that leaned on the run as an offense, and that's going to take some pressure off your defense uh, because guess what? If your defense isn't that good, then maybe you shouldn't want them on the field that much. You know, I think that's a, a very reasonable way to approach it. And with Washington, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now, right? Like they, they're not great on defense. They're, I think they're better in coverage than they were last year. Um, in terms of the the personnel they have in the secondary and all that kind of stuff. But I think that offensively, they are much, much better than they were last year. And, um, you know, they, I mean, Antonio Gibson is a, is a really good football player now. And Logan Thomas, I hope he's okay. By the way, he got hurt late in that game. And, uh, but he's a guy that's a difference maker for them. Terry McLaurin, I mean, they now have guys that can really spread the ball to their offensive lines. All right. It's pretty good. And so Washington, to me, is a very dangerous football team. I'm not going to say they can win the Super Bowl, but I think that this is a team that if you told me they they made it to the NFC Championship game and lost to like Tampa or something like that or Green Bay, I, I would not be shocked at all. And um, yeah, man, I think that if you're a Washington football team, I saw some guy on Twitter said um, all Washington fans, whatever, we, you know, I think it's time we start deleting our tweets from from uh, four weeks ago or whatever it was. And and so I think that I thought that was funny. But yeah, I think that Washington is legit um, dangerous for anybody that you don't want to play this team in, in the wild card round of the playoffs. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to play them because they're dangerous. And um, and if they if they played in the wild card round of the playoffs today, if I'm not mistaken, I think they would see the Green Bay, I'm sorry, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks again. So Tampa, believe me, does not want to play this team. You, they beat you a few weeks ago to start their winning streak or at least to win their second game, whatever it was. They beat you a few weeks ago by 10. And they almost beat you last year. They were the closest team to beating Tampa in last year's playoffs, right? So um, anyways, enough of my rant on Washington, but I do think they are dangerous. And I think that um, no one wants to play them, like I said, especially in that first week of the playoffs. All right. The Chargers beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincy. And what does that mean? It means that LA is now the sixth seed. Cincy is the seventh seed. So that it didn't knock them completely out of the playoffs. But I'll tell you what it did. It put them in a position where now they are, believe it or not, only a half a game better than the Steelers. And the Steelers, as we know, two of their losses have come against the Bengals. So if you look at the Steelers, what's their record against anybody not named Cincinnati? It's 6-3-1. and one. So 
The Steelers right now are on the outside looking in, but again, only by a half a game. So if Pittsburgh finishes a game better than Cincy from here on out, they'll be in the playoffs. It also means that the Indianapolis Colts, who have a bye week next week, by the way, so who knows, by this time next week, I, be, I could be talking about the Colts being the seventh seed. The Colts are only a half a game behind the Bengals. Only a half a game behind them, okay? And uh, let's see here. So the Colts, where are we at? Jonathan Taylor. Um, so yes, they have a bye week next week. By the way, Jonathan Taylor is the number three fantasy player, including quarterbacks on the season. The guy is an absolute stud. Um, dude, he had another game yesterday with 32 carries, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't catch a pass. Guess what? Didn't matter. He still had 27 fantasy points. An absolute stud. Uh, he even lost a fumble, but I don't think anybody gives a damn. And uh, so now I think that the logic behind running him 32 times is, hey, we got a bye week next week. He'll be ripping and roaring for that week 15 game after a week of rest against the New England Patriots. So that'll be a whole lot of fun there for Indy. And that's a hell of a challenge for the Colts, by the way. But um, let's see. Okay, I thought they I thought they might play the Bengals, but I don't I don't think they do unless it's in week 17. In any case, the Bengals now are in a position where they they need to keep winning because there's a whole bunch of teams hot on their tail and this is how quickly things change in the NFL, right? Just a few days ago, maybe it was 2 days ago, I tweeted the Bengals since their bye week have outscored opponents 73 to 23. They're dangerous, the defense is playing well, Joe Burrow's playing at a high, high level, you know, Joe Mixon's dominating. Now, what happened yesterday? By the way, I picked the Chargers to win, so I, I didn't. that didn't shock me by any means, but I didn't think they'd win 41-22. I didn't think they'd start the game up 24-0, but hey, it's the NFL, anything can happen. But the point I'm making is this. Joe Burrow had a pretty rough game, and he's now he's got an injured hand. I'm a little bit worried about that moving forward. Joe Mixon, for the majority of this game, did absolutely nothing. He came alive a little bit in the second half, I understand, but the point is he didn't do a whole bunch. T. Higgins, by the way, who I started and told people to start, I told someone to start T. Higgins over Hollywood Brown. I hope you listened because he was targeted 14 times, had nine for a buck 38 and a score. So it was a big game for a guy that I was expecting big things from T. Higgins. And quietly now, T over the last two weeks, over 100 yards and a touchdown in each of those two games. So maybe the time is now if you drafted T Higgins like me in like the fifth, sixth round, maybe, maybe the time is now we'll see. But anyways, the, uh, the Bengals, the Bengals, as I mentioned, they have to win and this game against San Francisco for them next week against the San Francisco team. That's in the exact same position, except for in the opposite conference is going to be huge. It's in Cincinnati. So they, they get to stay home, but that San Francisco defense is pretty good. That San Francisco run game is absolutely dynamic. And uh, Seattle did it. That's really, to me, the, a big reason why Seattle won is because they, in very large part, shut down Elijah Mitchell. And I told you guys, entering that game, by the way, Seattle's run defense has been very good as of late. They're they only allowing like 3.6 yards a carry. So it didn't shock me that that happened, but it happened. So that Cincinnati-San Francisco game next week is going to be huge. Then Cincinnati, and get this, guys, this is tough, right, if you're a Bengals fan. After that San Francisco game, which is a hard game in and of itself, you go at Denver, not easy. You go Baltimore, and you go Kansas City. So it is not an easy finish. Excuse me, and there's a Week 17 game in there, which I can't see because I'm looking at the Yahoo Fantasy app right now. But point is, the Bengals have their work cut out for them, and if they drop even a game in any of those, and the Colts 
by the way, who don't have an easy schedule ahead of them, New England, or they have the bye week this week, and then they play New England in Indy, then they play at Arizona, and then they play the Raiders. I don't know who, again, who they play in week 17, but the point is both of those teams have their work cut out for them. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I, I think all of us are ready to give up on Pittsburgh, they may be in a position where, well, <laughs> let me see who they play real quick the next three games. They play Minnesota on Thursday night, by the way. So that'd be fun in Minnesota. So a huge game for Pittsburgh there and a chance to, to a chance to really put the pressure on Cincinnati because they go in there and win in Minnesota, which I think is very possible. I wouldn't say likely, but it's possible. Then the Bengals lose. Pittsburgh's your, your playoff team in the AFC. They get that final playoff spot. So wouldn't shock me, but then they play the Titans at Kansas City and the Browns. Oof, does not get easy uh, any easier for Pitt as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I just want to say the Chargers are now in the sixth seed, but the Chargers have to get consistent now. Right. It's great that they got that win, huge win. And a big part of the reason why I picked them to win is that because when they lose, they usually come back and win. Right. Right. When you think, oh, we can count on whoever they're playing to beat them. Not so fast. That's how they've been all year. You know, especially I think earlier in the year they won three straight. But other than that, they've really been a inconsistent team in that regard. Um, the Miami Dolphins are the hottest team in the AFC or uh, after the Patriots. We'll see if the Patriots win tonight, but they are only. But they've won five straight games for those that are not paying attention to Miami because, I mean, let's face it, they're not the most entertaining bunch. But they've won five straight games. They're now just one and a half games out of the playoffs. And again, when you look at who the, um, you know, Bengals and, and Steelers and, and uh, Colts play, they don't have the easiest schedules, right? Miami has a bye week this week or next week. Then they play the Jets. Then they go at New Orleans. And at Tennessee, but those are the next three games. So they, I could see them winning all three of those games. I could see them being the favorite. Like if they blow out the Jets next week, right? Let's just say they beat up on the Jets. They just beat the Jets, uh, you know, 24-17 a couple weeks ago. But I think this Dolphin team right now is a much better team than that week, right? They're improving every week. If they blow out the Jets in week 15, I think they'll be the favorites against the, the Saints in New Orleans on Monday Night Football, by the way. Wow. So Miami could be playing in a very meaningful Monday night football game in week 16. Who would have thought that after their one and seven start? And then they go at Tennessee, which I think if Tennessee continues to slide, they, they could be the favorite in that game. So it, it's, it's the NFL is crazy, man. It really is. But the Miami Dolphins are red hot. They've won five consecutive games Tua for the majority of yesterday had a not great game. He was, he was like, at one point he was like 21 of 24 for like a hundred yards. It, it, he was averaging like four yards an attempt. He did, and I want to give him credit here, he made two really nice throws that were extremely accurate and extremely clutch. So I was impressed with that. And um, again, the Miami defense completely put the clamps on the Giants. And I know it's the Giants, I get it. But at the end of the day, they're doing this to everybody, right? They, they really are. So when you, um, I mean, again, Points per game allowed over the last, let's see, over the over the entirety of the five-game win streak, 9, 10, 17, 10, 9. They, they haven't allowed more than 17 in any game. You know, they're, out, they're allowing like 10 points a game on average. It's like right around 10 points a game on average. So they're red hot. They're dangerous. And, um, yeah. Also want to talk about real quick, just finish it up with this. My Panthers fired Joe Brady, and I think what that means – uh, for us moving forward. So here's the thing. After we we lost last week's game against the Dolphins, ironically, I said, 
why are they not with a quarterback that doesn't that couldn't possibly know the offense yet? Why are they not running Cam Newton more? He had like four attempts and and three of them were on the first drive or like the uh, early in the game. I think Matt Rule is wondering the same thing. Maybe, right? Because Matt Rule made it pretty clear that it was fully his decision. Fires Joe Brady. And this is the thing, guys. Don't buy the hype a lot of times, right? Because just a few months ago, entering this season, Joe Brady over this past offseason was interviewed for head coaching jobs. Interviewed for head coaching jobs. Everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay. Maybe the Bengals found that guy in Zach Taylor. It didn't look like it until this year, possibly, right? And now Brandon Saley looks like he could be the next Sean McVay, right? Like in terms of that young, energetic, uh, creative, aggressive kind of guy. Everybody thought that was Joe Brady. I mean, many people did. I heard several analysts like, yeah, he's a, he's the next head coaching candidate. Somebody was even saying he should be the coach of the Falcons when they before they hired Arthur Smith. Don't buy the hype. You know, let's relax. Let's see how it all plays out, right? Because we were ready to, to put Joe Judge in the Hall of Fame after his introductory press conference, myself included. We were ready to, to fire Nick Sirianni, and he looks like a half-decent coach at a minimum. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think that now, in starting this week, and, and really for every week thereafter, I think we'll see a bunch of Cam Newton runs, design runs, and I think that's what we need as a Panther team. So I'm not mad at it. I hope that it was the, the right decision, and uh, we'll find out. But my message on that is don't buy the hype. All right, guys. I'll talk to you all later. Peace.